You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Remind myself not to sing so spirited in worship just before you preach. Uh, the voice starts getting all a bit croaky and I start sounding like my favourite preacher, of course. Bless you. Uh, it's a new year. It's a new year. It's all good. Jamboree, what are you thinking, mate? Haven't you heard of Wet n Wild? <laughs> I think Jesus said that, didn't he? Can anything good come from Jamboree? Well, get with the times. Uh, hey, how cool is this? It's so good to see all of our good friends back. And uh, we've, had a, we've had a really cool, unexpected uh, couple of weeks over the past couple of Sundays. Yeah, just some uh, special times for those of us that were here. I think really powerful times in the way that uh, so many of us have just received God's word. And that is just so heartening to see the way that he is moving and speaking to us already at this time of the year. And so uh, I'm pumped about this new four-week series that we're going to embark on. And I don't know about you, but... Uh, there was a foxtail ad a while back. I'm not sure if you've seen it. it. This couple is at the altar and it says, you know, do you just hear over the, the screen, do you, do you, Robert, take Julia to be your wedded wife, knowing that you can bow out at any point in time? And he smiles widely and he says, I do. And do you, Julia, take Robert to be your lawfully wedded husband, knowing that you can cancel the whole thing at any point in time? And he says, I do. And then at the end of the whole ad, it just says, Foxtel, no contracts. And wow, well, fantastic. Uh, but it's not just Foxtel. It's your mobile phones. I'm an Audi mobile evangelist these days. I'm not on contract anymore. I love my Audi mobile. But a gym membership's right. Anytime fitness. Just go up there. You just swipe the card. In you go. No, no, no contracts. And I'm thinking, is it me? But... Are we living in an increasingly no-contracts world? Uh, no contracts. And don't get me wrong, um, like I'm all for, for flexibility. But at what point does flexibility really become a mask for rootlessness? I'm going to talk about that tonight, a biblical word there. But at what point does flexibility become a mask for rootlessness? And here's what I mean by rootlessness. Rootlessness is that attitude that says, I'm only truly free if I'm free from commitments, if I'm free from contracts, if I'm free from restrictions, situations where somehow I would have to compromise my agenda, my desires, my will. Uh, I'm only tr truly free if I'm free for that. And that, that, that's, of course, why Foxtel's ad was so hilarious, by the way, because you know, that, that is what marriage is, right? Marriage is a contract. Marriage is a commitment to someone, to a relationship. It means to be planted in a relationship. And so what I want to wrestle with us tonight and for the next uh, four weeks as we start this new series called Planted, Finding Stability in a World That's Constantly Moving. Now, I want us to wrestle with this underlying problem that we seem to have that on one hand, society seems to be saying to us, this is the best thing for you. No contracts, no lock-in fees, no commitments. Just swipe the card. <laughs> and yet, what we'll see from the psalm tonight, the Bible seems to be saying the exact opposite. In fact, the Bible, as we'll go through and analyze it, will, will start to say to you, could it be possible that part of the problems that you're experiencing 
in your life. The ground note of anxiety that you're experiencing in your life with the rest of the world around you is actually because you're not planted. It's because of the lack of contracts and the lack of commitment that the Bible says to us tonight that the best strategy for your life is to be planted. We're going to have to trust that. We're going to have to wrestle with that. And so here's where we're going for the next four weeks. We're going to look at what it means to be planted. We're going to look at what it means tonight to be planted in God. Then to next week, we're going to look at what it means to be planted in the truth. I'll pick that title deliberately because already that pricks the ears up in our relativistic culture. What does it mean to be planted in truth? You almost can't even say that anymore. What does it mean to be planted in community, particularly Christian community? And finally, in week four, what does it mean to be planted in your world? But tonight, we'll look at what it means to be planted in God. And we're going to see briefly as we go through this tonight, the problem of rootlessness, the promise of putting down roots, and the practice of putting down roots. The problem, the promise, the practice. That's where we're going. Let's read from Psalm 1. You can read on the screens with us. It's a different translation tonight. You'll have to bear with me. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever he does prospers, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that blows the wind away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Firstly, the problem of rootlessness. Um, great exercise for you this year if, if you want to get a sense of where our society and culture is coming from. I know Graham Agnew, our senior pastor, does this, does this every week, but watch Q&A on the ABC every week. Right? And, and you, you are going to get, as a Christian, perhaps uh, one of the best snapshots of what uh, our society represents at the moment. And one of the most fascinating was to see one of the Q&As that they did. I think it was yeah, Sydney Opera House after the Festival of Dangerous Ideas in which Peter Hitchens, the brother of the famous atheist. So he was, Peter's a Christian. His brother, Christopher Hitchens, is the famous atheist. So Peter was an atheist and then he converted. His brother is still on the pathway. But when asked by Tony Jones, that's the guy that sits in the middle of the ABC's Q&A program, when Peter was asked, uh, almost sarcastically by Tony, if he is lamenting the moral decline of Great Britain, uh, this is what Peter had to say. I can't do his pompous British accent, so you're just going to have to bear with me. Uh, he said, what has rushed in following the collapse of Christianity in approximately 1914 is now the religion of selfism. That is the religion that says, I'm the boss over my own body. No one can tell me what to do with my body. Everything we do is okay, provided that we're not harming anyone else. And what was fascinating uh, during the discussion is this other lady on the panel, Hannah Rosen, who's the editor of The Atlantic in, in the USA, um, she butts in and she says the, the question that everyone in our society asks. They said, she interjects and says to him, well, who gets to decide what is right and what is wrong? Now, can you see what she's subtly jabbing at him with? She's saying, who are you to say that we as human beings are to be grounded, we are to be planted in a being, 
in a set of laws, in an idea that never changes. And funnily enough, uh, that's what we come up against because that's what the psalm speaks here into in verse number one. Blessed is the man, and I read this from the King James Version, that walketh not, you can tell it's the King James, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now, why do I read firstly from the King James Version? Uh, Because the NIV, which I read from originally tonight, and that says, uh, blessed are those who don't stand in the counsel of the wicked. Now, it's one of the few occasions that I don't like the translation of the NIV because I don't think it gets to the heart of the matter. Normally, it's a good translation, easy to read. But the King James is a little more accurate here in the way that it puts it. It says, uh, blessed are those who do not stand in the counsel, walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And it's so good to get that out of the way first because when people hear, hear standing in the counsel of the wicked, walking in the counsel of the wicked, they think, oh, well, that means in, with bad people. And that's not what the, the psalm is getting at here. What the psalm is getting at is that the ungodly life here means simply a life where you are not anchored to God. And it's certainly not the Hannah Rosen life. The Hannah Rosen life is the life of the modern person, right? The life who says, well, who's, who's, who knows what's right or wrong? And who's to say what is morally right and absolute? And we're going to get into that next week if that's starting to excite you already <laughs> when we look at the issue of truth. But here's what I want to say. That's the sort of life that is saying most of the time underneath. It's a sort of life where it says, I want the life where I choose where I choose where to socialize, where I choose who to socialize with, where I choose where I go, where I choose what I do, where I choose how I think, where I choose how I act, without anyone else putting any restrictions upon me. The modern life says, I want a life of freedom. Now, that's a legitimate strategy. And what I love about the Bible is that the Bible says that is a legit strategy. The Bible says, you know, thou shalt not walk in the council of the ungodly. It doesn't say you can't walk in the council of ungodly. What it's presenting to you tonight is it's saying, that's a strategy for you tonight. You, you, you can walk an ungod-anchored life if you would like. So it's, it's, it's not being too harsh on you. It's just saying just recognize that the life of rootlessness has its problems. Verse 4, the ungodly are not so... Uh, They are like chaff which the wind driveth away. I'm loving this King James Version tonight. (laughs) You see, the psalm's saying uh, the life of the ungodly is like chaff. Now, that's an agricultural term. For us city slickers, we wouldn't know what chaff is. I thought chaffing was what you got when you rode your bike a little bit too much. You know what I mean? But it's not. Chaff chaff is the, the outer section, the husk, uh, the tough bit, the lifeless bit, the useless bit. Of a head of wheat. And there was no weight in it. And so you could separate it uh, by throwing it up in the air, and the wind would blow the chaff away, and all the good, meaty, weighty stuff would fall down, and you'd keep that, and the chaff would blow away. That's what, that's what chaff is. And so here's, here's what the Bible is talking about when it talks about the life of chaff it's saying, here's what it's describing it's describing a life that has no roots in anything. In other words, the chaff life is a life that's sourced entirely in externals, in faces, in facades. And here's the problem of rootlessness, according to the Bible. You know, tumbleweed, tumbleweed. That's the stuff you get in Arizona. I saw it for real. I took all sorts of different photos of tumbleweed. I've only ever seen it in the Roadrunner cartoons. Tumbleweed, it's that funny stuff that goes down the street in the Western films. 
It's got no roots. It's free to go wherever it wants. But the problem is what happens when the storm comes? What happens when the storm comes? What happens? It's blown about. It's, it's thrashed about. It's moved about. Now, all I've got to ask you tonight is, and the Bible's asking you that, is, is that the life strategy that you're after in 2014? Is that what you'd like this year? Because the Bible says the problem of rootlessness is if you live a life of total freedom, there's nothing to keep you grounded. It's like chaff. It's weightless. You're going to be easily blown around by the winds of fads and the winds of fashion and the winds of opinion and the winds of other people. What it's really asking you tonight is, that, is it there anything under any circumstance that remains the same for you? I mean, are there any rooted convictions in you, grounded convictions in you, that regardless of the wind blowing and regardless of the advantages that the situation might bring and regardless of the feelings and regardless of the conditions, never change? Simply, is there something deep within you that is always there? If so, then you've got a root. And the Bible says that if there are no non-negotiables, if there's no commitments, if there's uh, no locking contracts, you know, regardless of the advantages and the enticements and the conditions, if, if, if there's none of that in your life, then it's a life of chaff. It's centerless. It's a life with no power. There's form to it, but there's no power. You're blown around by the wind. That's the problem of rootlessness. So we are off to an encouraging start. <laughs> problem. Now... That's the problem of rootlessness. Let's look at the promise that we have from God's word of putting down roots. It's countercultural. I understand some of it might not be what some of you are looking for tonight when we come and hear God's word. It's countercultural. But the last two weeks, I've been asking everyone the question, could it be possible that in 2014 you were a person that, because of that groundedness, was someone who, who didn't escape the trials of life? didn't run from the challenges of life. That when the storms and the wind came, you, you didn't buckle under the pressure or you're not blown away. You know, if, if, if so, uh, you could possibly be a person that endures. And the promises that we have tonight, the promises that we will see, plural, is that that sort of life is, is possible if you're planted. Look at verse 4 again. And excuse the sexist language, babies, uh, babies. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I'm sure I did that in a recurring dream somewhere. <laughs> Ladies, I respect you, my sisters, in many ways. I just... <laughs> my wife's going to have a few words with me tonight, won't she? <laughs> Excuse the sexist language. Uh, where am I? And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, look, let's, let's look here. Here are the promises. What are the observations here? Are the promises of the grounded life in God? Here's the first one. You can be a person of substance. You can be a person of substance. Someone because you were planted in and by God. 
a few years back now, I was desperate to go and see my favourite band uh, at Sydney's premier jazz venue called The Basement. Uh, There was Directions in Groove. They were my favourite fusion band and I desperately wanted to go and see them. The only problem was I was like 13 years of age at the time. And I knew how I'd overcome the big bouncer that would be checking ideas at the door. I, I systematically spent about two and a half hours uh, using my stepmother's mascara stick to meticulously paint a beard onto my face. <laughs> I tell you what, as I, as I stepped back from that and looked into, into the mirror, I had, I had the, in my mind, the, the bushiest, the biggest, the most wonderful roughly beard I'd ever seen in my life. And with a, with a boldness and a confidence, I, I strolled up to the door as if I was just going to pass straight through that thing. And of course, my, my worst fears came to realisation when the bouncer, now I look back and I could see was half smiling at the time, <laughs> drew this out a bit and said, have, have, have you got any ideas, uh, any ID, sir? And, and I went, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. And I, I think I almost cocked my head to the side as if to say, can't you see the bid? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, glad I can laugh at it at the time, but if if we if we are if we're real with ourselves tonight, we're always painting beards on our faces. We are you two ladies or babies, whichever one it is tonight. Um, we are we're always painting beards on ourselves, and and that is because there's there's always um, there's always a hollowness to us. There's always something fundamentally within us that feels, oh, we're never good enough. That, that is this hollowness is we strike poses. We want people to think of us in certain ways. We want to think of ourselves in certain ways. But if, if we're real, there's, there's never really a complete correlation between what's on the inside of us and what we paint on the outside, right? We like to be considered confident, but we're often more scared than we look. We like to be considered insightful, but in my case, I'm dumber than I look. Uh, we like to be considered over 18, but we're more immature than we look. Uh, if we're real with ourselves, there's a, there's a chaffiness about us. There's a hollowness. There's, there's a weightiness about it. And, and I put it to you that, that all of us, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever tonight, we know that it's always breaking in on our lives. Uh, we recognize that we're blown about by the wind. We, and that's why we strike the poses, and that's why we try and incre- create the impressions, and that's why we paint the faces, and that's why we build the facades around us, the masks, because inside there's, there's no full connection between who we are in here and what we're painting on the outside. And so can you see the promise here is that you can have a weightiness and you will not be blown around by the winds of opinion and the winds of other people's opinion and the winds of fads and the winds of of change and impressions because your identity is planted in God. And as he begins to work that within you from the inside out, that is the mystery of Christianity if you hang around with us long enough, that that begins to change and you don't rely on other forms of ID, ID or mascara on the chin. Uh, you're happy for God to paint his picture of identity upon you. You can be a person of substance. That's the first one. Second promise is quickly, you can be a person of stability rather than being controlled or blown around by your external circumstances. Now, we've just spent two weeks talking about this in the series Standing at the Threshold, so I don't want to labor the point. Grab it on the podcast this week. 
Uh, but here's what I want to say. What is the difference between trees and moss? So have we got any botanists here? The difference between trees and moss. You see, if it's dry, moss dies. Because the, con- the, the context for moss, you know, you only ever see moss at the bottom of the Grand Canyon up in Blackheath where it's watery and it's moist and it's beautiful. For moss, the context has to be perfectly right. It has to be full of water, full of the good stuff in order for it to survive. Because it's fed by an external context. But a tree, a tree, the roots go down deep, right? A tree, the roots go deep. They go beyond themselves. As the passage says tonight, they're planted into streams of living water. They go deep. And so in other words, a life, without, a life with roots in God has a, level, a certain level of independence from your circumstances that uh, otherwise is not present in other people. And that's what I said. I don't want to labor on that. But here's what I'm saying. The roots go beyond yourself. They go beyond what is happening for you right now, tonight. The roots go beyond you. It means it's not the kind of life where all that guides you is your agenda and all that guides you is your desires and all that guides you is your impulses and your opinions. When you have a life with roots, (laughs) you stay even though you don't feel like it. You go even though you don't feel like it. Just like a tree planted by a stream of water fed by its roots. You know, our lives, when they're, when they're fed by that stream that is God, have an independence from our circumstances. Here's the third one. The third promise is you can be a person who grows even through the fruitless seasons. How real is the Bible? It's, it's not just saying, oh, you have substance in the face of weightlessness. It's not just saying that you can have an independence from your, your circumstances, as, as challenging as they may be. It's saying when you are planted in God, you become a person who not only survives, but grows through the tough times. Now look for a second here. When you read this passage, it sounds like such a naive claim, doesn't it? Most people think that, you know, someone saying, look, good fortune, if you delight in the law of God, if you obey God's laws, then whatever you do will prosper. And that's what it says, right? At the end of verse 3, whatever they do prospers. But look carefully here at what it says. It says, they are like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and does not wither. You see that? Someone saying, because this person is a tree, because this person has roots and is planted in a stream, they're an evergreen, right? They're an evergreen tree. Whether it's, it's, it's 35 degrees and it hasn't rained in six months, that, they are as green as green can be. There's chlorophyll floating out the top of their heads. Now, they're an evergreen. But what it also means here is it's saying that then because they're an evergreen, you can never be killed by your circumstances. You're not moss. You can't be killed by what is happening around you as much as you feel like. The, the situation is, is killing you. This is a tree that does not die. They're, but here's the thing too. Even though they're evergreens, I'm not much of a botanist, but I do know that evergreens aren't always bearing fruit. Lemon trees and evergreen. It looks fantastic out in my courtyard. It's green all year round, but it's not always bearing fruit. You know, all trees, as far as I know, go through times where there's no fruit. When they go through dry season, times of barrenness. Now, what does that mean? What it means that from a Christian's perspective, seasonal 
cyclical fruitlessness is expected. We expect it. We actually expect it. Now, how realistic is this psalm? Because look, fruitlessness means practically tonight, fruitlessness means your goals are not being met. Fruitlessness means that you don't feel useful at the moment. Fruitlessness can mean you can't catch a break. Fruitlessness can mean that your social life sucks. Fruitlessness can mean life is not going to plan. Fruitlessness can mean a whole heap of different things, but here's, here's the principle. Fruitlessness means that bad stuff is happening. It's not, it's not good. Have you, have you ever felt like that? Anyone here ever felt like that? And yet someone who was planted in God looks at that and says, bring it on. Bring it on. And here's why. This is the exciting bit about it. Here's why you see a tree never stops growing. Even in the wintertime, even in the dry times of drought. In fact, when if you know things, that's why I feel I'm a botanist, because I know my lemon tree. I forgot to water it last season. And so the poor thing, it, it, it looked horrible and it looked sick. And if there was an RSPCA for lemon trees, then I would be in trouble tonight. But, but coming back into this spring and doing all the right things, the fruit has come back twofold. Anyone ever experienced that, that, that dynamic? Yep, Eli has. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Um, you see, the, the fruit comes back. There's more than last year. And in, in other words, here you have a promise that if you get the principle tonight, you'll recognize that life may not be going well. And you may be in a season of drought or you may be in a winter season of your life and yet there can still be growth. There will be growth is the promise here. That regardless of the season you're in, you will be growing through this. And it means it's what we've been saying for two weeks that for some of you I know as dear friends to me, the 2013, that was a drought year. It was a horrible year for some people here. And even looking into 2014, some of them, some of you tonight are looking at 2014 saying, this year doesn't look any better. And the promise here is that there will be growth. You will come back stronger if you're planted in God. Can you see the promise of the godly life, substance, stability? You're always Growing, And I said, what if this year, you know, you say, I will be like the tree. My roots will go deep in God. And regardless of the wind and regardless of the rain and regardless of the doubt and regardless of the drought, I'm staying put. And that's, how, that's what we, we do this time of year. We say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to stay put. And half of me goes, because I know my own self too well. No, you're not. And the, rea- the reality is in some ways too that, you know, come July in this place, 15%. Um, of our community uh, will have shrunk. <laughs> that there will be p- people here sitting tonight that we come into the new year thinking this is fantastic and I'm going to put roots down and I'm going to go great. I'm going to stay. And it never happens if we look at all our various charts in terms of how we do community life here over the six and a half years. It, 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 it doesn't happen like that. Why? That's our final point for tonight. It's because often we haven't mastered the practice of putting down roots. Now, verse 2, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. Now, I'm just going to get practical for the last couple of minutes, so excuse me if it's not too inspirational, but um, Psalm, Psalm 1 is the beginning of an entire book of prayers. And so it's like the introduction to the book. 
And the Psalms are a bunch of prayers, but Psalm 1 is a deliberate in, introduction. It's not a prayer. It's actually a meditation. It's actually a meditation on meditations. And so uh, it's saying here that blessed is the person who meditates, who thinks, who delights in the word of God and meditates on it day and night. And so what it shows us tonight is, and here's what I learned from my own experience, is that the place that meditation plays in your prayer life and your study life is that your prayer life often is not affected unless you first meditated. And here's what I mean. When you go into the Word of God, you know, when you go into those times of prayer, you can either go one of two directions. You can go into the study direction. And so you can go in and you look at the words and you read the words and you learn the words and you recite the words. That's how we study the Bible. And then there's another aspect of, of this meditating where uh, you go to God and you pray and you seek Him and, and you sit with Him. And so when it comes to study, the object is the Bible. When it comes to prayer, the object is God. But meditation is a bridge between the two. And that is that the object of meditation is not just God, nor is it not just the Bible. It's taking what you cognitively, intellectually know about what you're getting here and what you are experientially getting here from this time with God and you're working it into your heart. Now think about the image for a second. You know, fruit comes from drawing on the water. So in other words, the tree is not a pipe. And if a tree was a pipe like you see in those wells in Africa where it taps in, it, it, wells have got roots and you pump the big pump and, and water comes up and whatever went in, it just spurts back out again, right? But a, a tree is not that. It says a, a tree, if you sink its roots down into the water, you've got water in at one end, but what comes out the other end? Fruit. And so in other words, what it means is that the essence of meditation in the imagery that we have tonight is to make the word flesh. An apple or mango, it's fleshly. And what it takes in, it, it, it puts flesh to it. And that is for you tonight, it's to take abstract concepts and make them real to your heart so they begin to affect your emotions and your behavior. You work it into your heart, and into your heart means that you say to yourself, I'm going to affect my emotions with this, what I'm reading and what I'm feeling from God, and I'll think it through for the implications for my life. It's to say, because I believe this, this is the implications of how I'm to live my career and how I'm to live my relationships and how I'm to live my friendships. Now, maybe for you, that whole process of meditation might take five minutes, it might take... 10 minutes, it might take an hour. Uh, tonight it's not about working out how much time you spent. The principle is this. It's about the process of taking the study of the Bible and the power and the experience of God through the Holy Spirit and trying to make this word flesh in your life. You're trying to make the word real to your emotions and to your heart and to the way that you live. And so the meditation, it's both intellectual and it's emotional. It's turning it into flesh it's sitting upon that. And that's the practical part about it. Is that we'll, we'll move to that point when we're planted, when we constantly do this on a, on a regular basis. They meditate on it day and night. They delight in the law of the Lord. And that's the, that's the final one. Delight in the law of the Lord. That's the most impossible statement in the Bible, is it not? Now, I look at that and I go, what it is saying is, is, blessed is the person who loves it when God tells them what to do. And I'm a human being, and I don't know any other human beings that really, if we're real about it, love God telling them what to do. I don't know any human beings that like anyone telling them what to do. But they said, blessed is that person. We think, you know, how, how the heck do you become that sort of person? 
What I want to finish with is to say it's not enough to treat the Bible like a rule book this year. To look at the laws of God and think that it's a set of commands for you. Because the picture here that we've had is that of of a tree. That a person is like a tree. The roots take a life in. They're fed by it. They're transformed by it. They produce fruit by it. And John in uh, chapter 7 verse 38 recalls the words of Jesus when he said, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. And Jesus is, you know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm, I'm the stream that that psalm was talking about. He's saying, I'm the living water that you need to sink your roots into. In other words, don't look at the law for your life. Look at the life beyond the law. Look at the person of Jesus. Look at Jesus. You you see, you can't unlock this psalm without seeing his life. It was a life that showed us. You know what it showed us? It's a life that showed us what it's like to live life on contract. A guy, a guy who was totally obedient, totally grounded to the commands in this thing, who obeyed them perfectly. And we look, the question is, why did Jesus come to earth? And people say, well, yeah, he came to die for our sins and forgive us and to reconcile us to God. And we go, tick, gold star for Bible study. It's true. But more importantly, he came to show us how life was really meant to be lived. As one who delighted in the law of God, who one who meditated on the word of God. You know what happened? Whatever he did prospered in the end, in its season. Because I'm sure when he was dying and he was bloodied and the disciples are crying, you know, that, that was a drought moment. That, that was a moment that even his followers himself didn't have the roots to be able to push through the, uh, the horrid nature of that situation. But he also did something on that cross that makes this psalm palatable because verse 5 and 6 I, I skipped over, but at the cross he was living out verses 5 and 6, so we don't have to. Verse 5 and 6, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteousness of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Look at the life behind the law. Jesus lived the life of obedience to God and he died the death of the ungodly so that the ungodly, not the bad people, the ungodly, remember, the unanchored, you, me, could sit in the congregation of the righteous. The minute you trust in that, you get yourself planted tonight. The more you trust in that Christian, your roots grow a little deeper, your roots grow a little stronger. And here's all I want to get us thinking about as we head into the next four weeks is the flexibility in my life, is the flexibility in your life tonight, is it really just a mask for rootlessness? Are you planted? <laughs> if, if not, if not come, come, get, come get on contract. Be countercultural. Let's get on contract tonight. Get on contract with the only one when you submit to him and you commit to him will give you a substance and a stability and a promise of growth in a world that is constantly changing and moving. Let's pray.